I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, friends and foodists. Welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and today I'm talking to our very own one and only Jason DeFilippo, who is the delightful editor of The Foodist Podcast. Uh, Jason, uh, we have some connections and, and friends, and he's known my husband for a long time, but he really be- started becoming familiar with my work when he started working on the podcast and listening to all the episodes. And it's it's a great story because he had started to do his own sort of foodist health style on his own before he knew about my work when he lived in LA, because when you live in California and there's beautiful produce everywhere and your roommate decides to teach you to cook, you tend to get healthy and lose weight. And so that was his story going in. But then he had to move back to Chicago for some stuff. And as happens, his habits sort of started falling away and he had regained some of the weight. So he found me at a serendipitous time and bought Food is the Book and started working on this stuff. And then the Mindful Meal Challenge came along. And so he went ahead and signed up. And I thought he was just being nice, you know, being supportive as, as somebody who appreciates my show, but he took it very seriously. And, you know, him and I email back and forth all the time about the show and whatnot. And he let me know that he actually lost four pounds during the mindful meal challenge, which I'll add is a five day challenge. (laughs) So, and what's crazy is weight loss wasn't his goal. So he, he just decided to try, I mean, he is trying to lose weight, but he didn't set out to deliberately eat less, but he ate his normal breakfast and realized that it was just more food than he needed. After a couple of days, he realized this. Also, it helped him become more satisfying with his food way later in the day. So his lunches were easier and his dinners became easier as a sole result of his morning mindful meal practice. So I just really wanted to get him on the show and hear what was going on there. So uh, he has a lot of great tips. He's, I think, a great example of a foodist who's just trying to still like has a lot of good habits in place and is still trying to figure out just that those last few things to get him over the edge. We actually do do a little coaching toward the end of the show because he had some questions. So it's sort of a mixture of a success story and a coaching episode, but I think you'll really like it. So listen to what Jason has to say and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for, like super, super stellar. 
You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step recipes with every box. If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this is this is fun because we met sort of serendipitously, um, and you are, for full disclosure for everyone, you, you, you edit the Foodist Podcast. Yes, I do. Uh, we met through your husband, and we actually met in person a long time ago in San Francisco at the, what's it, the Hunt Club or whatever, that place with all the antlers on the wall. Oh, yeah. So yes, I do edit the show uh, with, a, uh, with a caveat there, so I will try and make myself sound pretty good on this one. Hopefully. Amazing. Um, but I didn't know. So when we first started talking, I mean, we were only talking about the podcast, but as you started listening to the shows, you realized we actually had a lot in common. Well, you had a lot in common with my message and started telling me about it and um, have gone through a lot at this point. Yeah, that was the thing. I started editing the show and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, it's a job. I'm going to do my job, edit the show. And then by the end of like maybe episode five that I'd edited, I'm just like, you know, I'm totally into all of these women's stories. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to go by the book. I got to go by the book because I had moved from California to Chicago and put on a bunch of weight. My entire diet system was out of whack and I bought, bought your book and started reading it. And I was just like, oh, I'm home. This is great. And have, have been reconnecting with my, with my health style, as it were, uh, for the past couple months now. And I think it's just one of the most fantastic things that, that's happened, just completely serendipitously. I love it. So, you ha- so originally you were living in LA and you started eating healthy then, right? Before you knew me or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had a problem with my weight always. And I've had, you know, up and down and up and down when I was, when I got out of high school in the eighties, believe it or not, I weighed 240 pounds and then I dropped 70 pounds in 60 days because wow, that's, that's what you had to do when you were a teenager and you discovered girls and you're like, Oh, I'm a little too chubby. <laughs> so, so did you just go on like a diet or something in the eighties? Low fat, probably. I ate one bite of chicken a day for 60 days and skateboarded 10 to 12 hours a day, drinking two gallons of water, period. That was it. Ah, uh, the joys of being young. I wish I could <laughs> do that now so bad. I used, to, I, I used to feel like that when I was a kid too. Like I could just go days without eating or sleeping and like, I just, yeah, that stopped happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a centrum and a bite of chicken and I'm like, I'm good. Let's go skate. And Gosh. now I'm just like, if I, if I don't eat for a couple hours, I'm just like, you know, it's like one of those Snickers commercials. I turn into Betty White. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So up and down, up and down my whole life. And then when I finally got to LA and I met my friend who taught me how to cook when I was 42, I'm 45 now. So three years ago, she taught me how to cook. Wow, that's a good friend. Oh, she's great. You know, home cooking, because she would always make the greatest stuff out of nothing. We would have nothing. She would go to the 99 cent store, which is a trick, by the way. If you're in LA, go to the 99 cent store because they have some of the best produce in town for cheap. It is the greatest place to go get produce, the 99 cent store. 
That is incredible. Yeah. What a great pro tip. Yeah. No, we'd get cauliflower, broccoli, um, just all sorts of little uh, noshes that we'd make into little platters. But uh, the cauliflower and the broccoli was great because every day we would have something with shrimp because we would just, we, we love shrimp. So we would always cook up shrimp and make dishes and all that stuff, but she would. And then I'm, I'm like, teach me how to do this because this is ridiculous. It looks like it's so simple what you're doing, but I have no clue. I, you know, I was really, I've always been really good with eggs. I'm your egg guy. <laughs> you know, it's a guy thing, I guess. Every guy should know how to make great eggs. And if you don't get on that, because that's silly if you don't, but she taught me, uh, you know, the basics of spicing and just, you know, how to just cook with soul and learn how it all works. Amazing. It's almost, it sounds like it was like a little like uh, personalized foodist kitchen course. That's exactly what it was. And, and the first, you know, the first couple months, she was just like, you got to feel it. You got to feel it. I'm like, well, I can't feel it because I have no idea what basil tastes like. She's like, okay. Right. And then, you know, we just started experimenting and she would teach me like, okay, this is this spice. Here's what oregano is like. Here's what time's like here. You don't want to put too much of time in there because you can't get it out, you know, and then just <laughs> learning how the kitchen worked. And it turned into a fun thing for both of us where once I finally got the hang of cooking, she'd be like, okay, you're on for dinner. I'm like, oh crap. Okay. My turn. And I would make something. She'd come home and she'd be like, ah, eh, you got to fix this, do that. And, you know, over the course of, you know, a couple months, finally got my feet under me. And then the, the strangest thing happened. I did fall in love with cooking, but my weight just started dropping off because we mm -hmm. were just cooking completely healthy you know, not a lot of salt, not a, the butter. Yeah, maybe I, I introduced her to carry gold butter, which I cannot live without. Yeah, well, yeah, both butter and salt. Like when you compare it to eating out all the time, like what you use at home is nothing. It doesn't. It's like irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then we got into uh, Persian cooking, which is my Ooh. favorite. I am. I love Persian food. And where we were in, in L.A. in the valley out in Woodland Hills is like Persian central. And I made really good friends with people at the Persian market and learned how to cook Persian, which is, and that's the one thing that is driving me nuts here in Chicago is there's no, there's no great Persian markets, but learning how to cook Persian, it is completely healthy, right? Just, it's a lot of herbs, a lot of spices, and it's not hard to cook, but man, does it, it's one of the most amazing, uh, just. Oh, menus in the world. Some gourmet sabsi, some cash to bottom june, uh, tadik. Tadik is hard, by the way. If you don't know what tadik is, it's the crunchy rice that they put with everything. Mm -hmm. I have not, I have not figured that one out yet. If you have any tips on tadik, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I would love to hear them as well. So yeah, if anybody's listening who has those, um, that's amazing. I wish I knew how to cook Persian food. That's a cuisine I don't know very much about. It is so easy, and and especially if you have a crock pot, it's even easier. That's awesome. So you started cooking and this is what I tell people all the time. It's the easiest thing. You think you need to lose weight, but what you really need to do is learn how to cook. Yeah. Because learning how to cook is the secret. Absolutely. Because I'm a guy who would go to the store and I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. Give me that six pack of White Castle cheeseburgers and go home and have those. And I'm not joking. White Castle cheeseburgers are my Achilles heel. And, and it's <laughs> funny because I'm in Chicago now. I live like a quarter mile from a White Castle, I will still go to 7-Eleven and buy a six pack of White Castle cheeseburgers and cook them myself. Amazing. When, you know, all hope is lost and I'm just like, I need something to eat. Let's go. Let's go to the castle. Amazing. 
Um, so you were eating White Castle, but then you switched to real food and you started losing weight. How, how much weight did you lose? I went from when I got to um, California about a year, two years ago, I weighed 247. I'm six feet tall. I'm a pretty buff kind of guy. So I've got a lot of muscle on me and a lot of like muscle mass just from being a skateboarder. So it's like I carry it OK, but mm-hmm. it was definitely way too much way too much and I, so from when i got there and we started cooking i went from 247 down to 220 in very short wow. order and looked great i i couldn't believe it i looked in the mirror one day and i'm just like oh well i've gone down two t-shirt sizes i'm wearing you know 36s where i used to wear 42s and wow everything was just fantastic and i didn't have to work at it you know it was right. just like it was just natural well, it was a fun hobby you picked up Absolutely. Cooking is great. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the procedures of cooking that I'm having some trouble with that I need your help on in a little bit. <laughs> um, great. But okay. So you, you lost all this weight and then you moved to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my, uh, me and my little puppy girl, we loaded up in the, in the truck. My entire lifestyle changed mm. because the one thing, and this is, this is where I'm going to need your help on is I live alone now. I don't have anybody to cook for or with because it was such a social activity, the cooking every day to hang out in the kitchen because you can't cook without wine. That's the the golden rule that I believe. <laughs> Got it. But not having anybody to cook with or for really kind of put the monkey wrench into it. I, so, you know, I, I got back up to 240 in short order in, a, you know, just a couple months and it just snuck back in. It wasn't anything that was. Yeah. It, you know, I'm hanging out with people who like to. I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago, but we've got really good, terrible food. That it was exactly my experience there. I was like, man, if I just wanted to live on hot dogs and pizza, this place would be heaven. Yeah, Italian beefs. We got we got Portillos here. We got you know Giordano's. We got Gino's East and West, and we got we got every kind of terrible food that you could really ever good want. Brunches too. Yeah, like oh. all of the fried chicken on top of waffles and stuff. Oh yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, if 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 you want if you want to just die from food, move to Chicago because we got it all. <laughs> uh, so that must have felt not so good after a while. No, because I, I I have a Fitbit Aria, so I track my weight all the time, and I looked at the graph, and the graph was just going up, 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 and my T-shirt started to fit, you know, worse and worse and worse. I'm like, oh man. And I was just like, oh, I can't go back. I can't go back. Something's got to change. And that's, you know, like we said, serendipitously when we met. Amazing. So at this point, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still reading the book. I'm going very, very slow with your book because I know habit change is difficult. It is. Yeah. I live in the world of self-help with some of the other shows I work on and just from my personal experience. And I know that you can't just sit there and shotgun knowledge and expect it to work. It's not going to work through osmosis. You have to work at it. Yeah. So I've been with with the editing of the shows and listening to all of these amazing people's stories. I have started to kind of, you know, bring bring myself back from that side of stuff and really change the core habits of how I actually just eat and cook. And how's it going? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say the mindfulness eating challenge is what really put me over the edge. Really? Because when you started to send out those emails, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I was happy when I saw you sign up for the Facebook group. I was like, oh, I thought you were just being supportive. <laughs> I lost four pounds the first week. That's insane. So just from mindful eating? Just from mindful eating. 
the thing that I, I think a lot of people don't understand about it, which, you know, I told a bunch of friends, I'm like, you got to try this out. And, and everybody's just like, oh, so that's you just got to chew more type of thing. I'm just like, no, it's a little bit more in depth than that. Yeah. They're like, oh, you count your chews. Like, no, no. <laughs> My grandmother used to chew like 60 to 80 times per bite. And she was the worst person if you had to go to a Broadway show. <laughs> like uh, Grammy, <laughs> Grammy, uh, curtains going up. Swallow. We got to go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so I, I, I'm used to being around people like that, but I've also got friends who literally will put a bite of food in their mouth and swallow it. And I'm just like, oh, I, I've always been in the middle. So, but for this one, I knew both sides of the spectrum and I'm like, I, I just dove in. I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this challenge. And because I was already reading the book, I knew that what you were teaching was very science-based and based on, you know, research. And so I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put my trust in Daria Yay. because she is smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff. Can I get you to talk to my husband about that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. don't, don't put me in the middle of that one. <laughs> I started doing it. And what I did was I, I, I'm one of those kind of guys where if my desk is messy, then my mind is messy. So I always have to clean my desk if I'm going to do lots of deep work. Good insight. I started to clean my kitchen. Good insight. I made sure that there was no, there's no computers. It, well, there, there is one computer in the kitchen. That's my Alexa, because I always have to have that in the morning when I come down. I, lo- I love my Alexa. She's also a great kitchen timer. She is a great kitchen timer for sure. <laughs> when I moved into this place, I didn't have any furniture, but they left this little kind of uh, movable uh, hardwood desk thing with some chairs that you could eat on and keep your pots in. And so I, that's my, that's my eating station. I made sure that that was what it was going to be. And I started on Monday and by Friday, I lost four pounds because I was just sitting there, no computers, no electronics, just eating and enjoying what I made for breakfast. And just that entire process slowed everything down. And I found that I was eating far less because I was chewing more, enjoying it. And I let my brain get to the point where it's like, oh, you're full. Stop. You know, that that whole like lag between when you eat too much and when your brain tells you you're full mm-hmm. went away. Amazing. And were you eating the same food you normally eat? You didn't change what you were eating? I have been on the quest to make the perfect French omelet for months. Oh, man. Every night before I go to bed. I take out three eggs and set them on the counter in a bowl. So they're, you know, they're room temperature when I come down in the morning, I make it easy for me to follow my habits. That's one of the things that I find that if you're going to like do some kind of major change like that, make it easy to follow. Like when you come down in the morning, people always talk about, oh, put your running shoes next to the bed if you want to go to the gym, all that stuff. I made it easy for me when I came down. It's like, you know, trying to do your mise en place before you go to bed. Yeah. Very foodist of you. And so I got downstairs, I had to feed the dog, drain the dog, you know, all that stuff. And then when I put her food in her bowl, then I go work on my food. And it, it just made it very easy. So I always have eggs in the morning, period. And the nice thing about trying to make a French omelet is if you screw up, you have scrambled eggs. Right. Okay. It's like when an escalator fails, then you have stairs. Right. So I tried to make something that if I screwed it up, I wouldn't have to like waste food. Or start over from scratch. It's like, oh, uh, well, I it, it didn't quite make it that time. So you scramble it up, throw some cheese and hot sauce, boom, you're done. Right. So that's really kind of how I've been doing it. So that entire first week, I literally worked on my French omelet. 
And I would, when I was done with it, I was letting it cool a little bit. I would post it to Instagram and I'd be very proud of myself. I had, you know, my little, my own little hashtag omelet of the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when it was ready, I would slow down and eat it. And, and, and by the way, after I posted it to Instagram, I put my phone in the other room. I didn't, I do not want my phone or my iPad or my 17 computers anywhere near the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. I turn, I put mine on do not disturb. Yeah, I don't even want that because I, then I'll just play some stupid game. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Mario needs to go get some mushrooms. I'm going to go Mario run, <laughs> you know, nothing. Right, make it easy. Make it easy. Get it away from you. So you you found that that was too much food? Yeah, I was doing a three egg omelet with a little bit of uh, cheese, depending on which cheese I had in the house that day. And it turned out that I don't need three eggs for breakfast. I only need two. The other thing was, by slowing down at breakfast, I was not hungry at the normal time for lunch. Really? Even eating less? Yeah, my entire schedule shifted. And so when lunch came around and I wanted to go have some lunch, I would go down and and I do a lot of Blue Apron. So I've always got some kind of meal lying around. I think you've seen some of the pictures I post in the Facebook group for my, my Blue Apron. Right. They look great. Oh my God, they're so good. And being a single guy, getting all of these meals, then that's like, you know, three meals per meal per box, which is like nine meals, which is almost too much food. But I would always have something. So at lunch, I'd go down and make my little plate and heat it up properly. You know, I would either, I don't like the microwave for reheating leftovers. Yeah, me neither. I always slow down, use the stove or the, um, I've got a really great uh, toaster oven. Then I would do the same thing phone out of the room, mindfully eat my lunch. And then, you know, when dinner finally came around, I just found that I wasn't that hungry and I would not need to eat as much. That was the, like the great secret of it. I, I'm really impressed because it's you're you're because you're saying more than just that you ate less per meal. You're also saying that even eating less, the satisfaction you got from the food hours later was still there. Absolutely kind of crazy when you think about it. Like it doesn't even make logical sense. Like it's like more satisfying than the number of calories you're eating. That's what the big, that, I mean, that was the big surprise. You know, when I, when I, I, I can, I can send you my graph on the scale. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> it works. And I wasn't hungry. It wasn't like I was eating out of just the, you know, the normal need to eat. I'm like, oh, it's 12. I should eat something. It's five. I should eat something. It's like, no, I'm not that hungry. So I had a, I had a good breakfast. I had a good lunch and I'm just going to have a little bit of stuff for dinner. Unfortunately, now I just have way too much blue apron and I give it away to my friends. I mean, your friends are winning. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is super stoked. He's like, I never liked beets, but man, that beet pasta you made was fantastic. Thanks. Give me some more. That was so pretty. And the funny thing is, I never liked beets until I made that dish. And now I am a beet fanatic. Beet and goat cheese is going to be on my go-to list. Magic combo. That's a magic combo. If, yeah. if, you, if, if you guys don't like beets, this combo, apparently it's converted Jason. But it's also converted me and my dad. Like I didn't like beets. I didn't much. I was kind of lukewarm on goat cheese. But together, it is a magic show. And it converted my dad because my dad doesn't like beets either. Your dad too. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Two dads, thumbs thumbs up. <laughs> Two dads, one beet. Okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> your new, there's your new horrible uh, meme video my next for book YouTube. Title. My next book title. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, because it's interesting because it's like I. I've had a similar experience and the the research it says that eating more mindfully is more makes food more satisfying is a better predictor of satisfaction after a meal than the number of calories in the food but 
it's crazy to think that that lasts more than just like sort of immediately after the meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it seems like at some point the number of calories would have an impact on like when the next time you get hungry is, but it's, that's astounding. Yeah. Just the carry on effects for doing a mindful breakfast for me have been completely life changing. It has changed how I have energy throughout the day and just am relaxed because nowadays, you you know, we all have a little bit of anxiety with things that are going on in the world. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll not talk about Cheetos or anything uh. like that on this, on this podcast. But I found that um, just, you know, things seem to not affect me as much because it's, it's, it's like you're doing meditation and breakfast in the same, you know, the same slot. It's like two birds with one stone. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have. I've had a similar experience. And so in the challenge, what, what, I, what I recommend for people is to just choose one meal per day where you just dedicate it to mindfulness because the, the idea behind that is that if you just try to like leave it up to spontaneous arisal, arrival of mindfulness during eating, it just never happens. You sort of have to set aside, set aside a time to practice. And when your mind wanders away to bring it back. Yeah. And I, I could totally concur. You cannot, it, it'll never work if you just yeah. kind of like, Oh, maybe I can do a mindful lunch. No, you have to, you have to make that. It's like, Oh, I'm doing it now. I'm that's right, the way right. it goes for sure. And it's, that's like a game changing strategy. Uh, so that's what I recommend. And, and it, you know, it's funny, like, a, like I was a couple weeks ago when I uh, was actually, actually I was thinking of while, while I was preparing the, the challenge, I was really doing it very intentionally, you know, cause I had this, this grand idea to create this challenge. And I remember one day I had my mindful breakfast and then at lunch I was like, you know what? No one's home. It's just me, but I'm going to treat myself and let myself read my book. Cause I'm like super into this book I'm reading right now, just fiction. And I was like, so I brought my Kindle to lunch thinking that I'm going to allow myself to do this. Cause I already had my mindful meal and I tried to read and eat at the same time and I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it just was, I, it felt so wrong. Like I was like, wait, I, I'm confused. Like how am I supposed to chew if I'm reading? Yep. And like somehow that became like impossible to me. I, I found the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like I was reading like something like super intellectual. I was reading a fantasy novel. <laughs> it was like not, not crazy, but yeah, it's like once you've developed the practice, it's translates automatically into other meals. And you know, if I'm eating with people, it's one thing. Cause because that's, you know, there's conversation there and whatnot. But yeah, I just can't read and, and eat at the same time anymore. It's funny because um, exactly the same same thing happened to me. It's like, I love listening to audiobooks. I'm always listening to some kind of audiobook. Was listen, but I was listening to a sci-fi novel and I, I had like the last 30 minutes to go. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have lunch and do that. And I started having my lunch and then I, it was the same thing. It's just like, I can't concentrate on my food if I'm listening to this novel. And I can't concentrate on the novel if I'm having my food. So one of you's got to go. <laughs> I just turned off the novel and had my lunch. It took me a week. And now every time when I sit down to eat, I am very focused on the food on the plate, period. Crazy. I went out to with my family this last weekend. We went and saw Hamilton and then had dinner afterwards. Even while we were having, there were like seven of us or eight of us at this dinner. And I'm still like just chewing and listening. It's one of those things where it's like I can engage more in the conversation with the people that are around me because I'm paying more attention because like mm. while, while I'm eating, I'm actually, you know, chewing and listening before I'd be like, food. Yeah, 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 yum. Pork chop. Great. Uh, what, what were you saying? You know, but you can listen 
and and be more present. I think that's the one thing it's got me. It's, it's being more present in the moment. That's what it kind of boils is, down to. Right, which if you ask any Buddhist, is the secret to happiness. Yeah, those Buddhists. Silly, silly <laughs> no, seriously, though, the whole idea, their whole idea is like we have this sort of suffering that we create within our own brains by like just making mountains out of molehills all the time through thinking, overthinking and feeling too much. Uh, but the way out of that is to just be like, you know what? I'm sitting at a desk. I'm breathing air or here's my food. I'm sitting at a table and just doing the thing that you're doing and that all that stress and pressure that comes with overthinking everything just sort of melts away. Yeah. I've actually got a quote. I have my little, I have my moleskin here that I always write everything down. And and there's a quote that I wrote in the first page and I can't remember where I found it, but it says suffering is an excessive focus on yourself. And I always go back to that when something is bugging me and I'm just like, okay, you're making this too much about you. I love that. So you, you did the challenge at the beginning of January or somewhere around there and you lost four pounds the first week. What, what have been your, the sort of long, more long-term results from it that you've seen? The long-term results are, I'm, I'm having a bit of difficulty at this point because everything has changed and my eating patterns have changed. My whole, my whole life was set up around my, my normal meals and my, my dog's schedule because I, my dog actually dictates. I should be married to this dog because she does dictate my schedule. Um, I've, I've been having some issues at night where I do kind of fall back to having crap food at night because I'm so tired because I get so much more done during the day. And this is the paradox. It's like I, I am so focused in the morning and I work so hard during the day that, you know, you do get decision fatigue and just general fatigue by the end of the day that I'm, I'm trying to adjust now how to deal with the end of my day and figure out how to make that as mindful as the beginning of the day. And so I don't make bad decisions. I see. The first 12 hours of my day are I got that nailed. I'm knocked out. But then by, you know, six o'clock, I'm like. I just want some fries. <laughs> so yeah, right. how do you think that I can like maybe kind of translate that into the end of the day? Interesting. So it sounds like you, you wake up with a lot of motivation. You've actually found a lot of things that work for you in the morning. So you've made some progress. Absolutely. And I get up, I get up at five in the morning. So I'm an, I'm a very early riser. I'm at work by six o'clock. Got it. So you've had some success and you used to have dinner like, rockin' when you had somebody to work with. Mm-hmm. But now it's hard for you to motivate because you're eating alone, you're cooking alone, and it's not as fun, and you're tired. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like, you know, if I had, if I had you know, another person to sit here and cook with, because cooking for me, is it, it is social. If I'm, if I'm not cooking with a person, then I need an audiobook or something to kind of you know, take myself out of it. So I'm just having fun and have a glass of wine and start doing my, my chopping and my mise en place and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, ah, you know what? There's nobody here to cook with. So it's like, ah, what do I kind of do? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I can see why you kind of want to break. It's almost like you need something easier. Yeah. Because it sounds like you're, you have a, you were used to sort of making dinner a big deal. Cause when you're cooking for two people, it is a bigger deal. So if you're, but if you're like cooking for two there, it's almost like a little bit of extra work, especially when it's fun because it's social. It doesn't, it sounds easy, mm-hmm. right? Like you're like, oh, should we make this one? Yeah, let's do it. And like, it's not a big, like, gosh, uh, that's more work. Like, you know, like that yeah. sort of 
there's like a, a, a reframe that happens when you're doing it for two people. Cause then it's not like you're just doing it for yourself. Whereas when you are just doing it for yourself, it feel, feels like work. I mean, if I were you, I would start thinking in terms of sort of reining in your expectations on what a dinner looks like, because it sounds like they're probably more involved than they need to be for just you. Okay. You know what I mean? And then that can be a, a damper on your motivation. I think that would, I think that might, might actually be the game changer. Yeah. Instead of sitting there thinking that I need to go cut up the lemons and make the sauce and all that stuff, maybe just, you know, have the meals already prepared, go for a walk with the dog. Sounds like you're doing a really awesome job for breakfast and lunch. So dinner should be easy. Like you're not Betty Crocker. <laughs> like you don't need to spend like three meals a day, like whipping up magic in the kitchen. I know, but it's like, I, I, I finally learned to cook at 42 and now I'm just like, I missed 42 years of awesome fun in the kitchen. So I always want to have fun. Uh, well, maybe, maybe that's something you can do. You can still do, but just make it so that it's something like once a week on Saturdays, you have friends over and you cook or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's gonna, what it's going to boil down to because I do love social cooking. I think social cooking is honestly one of the most underrated or just underappreciated things in our society nowadays because it's like Aww. I grew up in a family that, you know, we'd always have family dinners and we'd always be cooking. My great grandmother would be, she came over on the boat in 1907 and would be in the kitchen all day making our lasagna and spaghetti sauce. And it was just always a thing. And now it's just like, ah, oh, I need to, I think I need to get back to that. But you know, if I can schedule it and make that the social occasion and just say, Hey, every Saturday, Doors open, come on in. We're going to cook some food and have a great time. And then everybody gets leftovers and then I have food for the week. Maybe that'll be it. I love that. That's so fun. Okay. I mean, it's nice because it's like, yeah, it's like you're, you're fulfilling that need because that was sort of what I, the impression I was getting. It was like you had this expectation of what cooking needs to be for, for it to be enjoyable. And, but you were trying to make that fit into like your daily week, weeknight agenda, which is sort of not practical for you at this point. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who works from home and just has a, a very, very variable schedule, it can be can be a little difficult. But Saturdays, you know, I can I can say Saturdays are verboten. No work on Saturdays. Stay away. Right. Right. And then, yeah, cool. So you can you can set that aside. So it's something you still get to do. But then on weeknights, have something a little more streamlined that is more less like a reminder that you're not cooking with somebody else and having fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a big fan of the freezer. I freeze a lot of stuff. So it's like very easy for me. Yeah, I can go into the freezer and pull out, you know, when I do my my spaghetti sauce takes two days to make and then I have tons of it. So I can just go in and grab some sauce and put it on whatever. And I just need to get, I think, a little better at that with general meals because some things don't really reheat well, but just kind of learning that balance on what reheats well and what doesn't. But uh yeah, just having little go-tos in the freezer where I just pull it out, throw it in a pot, reheat it, go for it. I think that might work. When I was living alone and cooking for myself a lot, I always, uh, you reminded me because you mentioned shrimp. I always had a bag of frozen shrimp in my you freezer. Can't, you can't go wrong with a bag of frozen shrimp in the freezer. And broccoli. Because, you got to have broccoli too. Yeah, you because you, yeah, you don't, you don't have to clean them and you can just throw in like whatever, however many you want, like seven. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. All at dinner. And then you can just, you know, brighten it up with fresh stuff from your fridge, like fresh herbs or a couple of fresh vegetables, just so it doesn't feel like freezer food. Yeah. And then it's like, instead of an hour process, it's a 15 minute process and you don't hate it. One of my favorite go-to meals is shrimp, 
you know, um, sauteed shrimp with garlic, lots of garlic. I always have at least four or five bulbs of garlic always on my my uh, uh, window <laughs> in my kitchen. I'm a fan of garlic. You cannot go wrong with garlic. There's never enough garlic as far as I'm concerned. Are you Italian by any chance? <laughs> my last name's De Filippo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yes, my family came over from Abruzzi, ben, ben, so ben. we are we are Italians. <laughs> sauteed shrimp with garlic, uh, some Kerrygold butter, and uh, saute- or steamed broccoli. Best meal mm. on the planet. You will lose weight. It's delicious, and it takes fifteen minutes. Yeah, you can do this. Yeah, <laughs> I got to get there. I definitely got to get there. This has been you- great, though. I, I'm, I'm, I, I now that see, this is a great part about this show, and this is what I really loved about listening to it when I started to to work with you, is that by the end of the show, basically everybody figures out their own problems. But you're a fantastic sounding board, and just p- push everybody <laughs> in the right direction. That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean that's the that's the whole thing. It's like. I don't live with people, right? Like I don't, I don't live with you. I can't tell you like people are like, fix my habits. You know, (laughs) something's wrong with my habits. Like I, you know, I don't know. All I can do is ask questions and approach it in the way I do, which is, you know, knowing that if things are too difficult or if you're framing it wrong and your expectations are off, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be a lot harder to do than it needs to be. And so it's all, it comes down to like sort of either a reframe or just finding those little barriers that are actually small but feel huge. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and and knocking them out of the way and realizing that like actually that that's like a really simple fix. You can totally do this. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, okay. So I'm going to start cooking on Saturdays. I'm going to bring friends over and make that my social day, and not have to worry about every day of the week being social cooking day, and get that that monkey off my back where I feel guilty when I'm just like I'm in the kitchen and I have to cook something. But no, you don't. I can just do that on Saturdays and then just have everybody over and have a party. I love it. Ah. Cool. And you're going to continue to eat mindfully. Oh my God. Absolutely. This is the mindfulness challenge with the eating has been a game changer. I, I have, I have sent this to everybody I know and, and smack them down when they're like, Oh, this is the chew more thing, right? I'm, no, no, no. It's a little bit different. <laughs> you got it. You have to embrace awesome. it and turn off your damn phone. Do not tweet and eat. <laughs> don't tweet and eat this is be my new bumper stickers <laughs> all right <laughs> fantastic awesome well thank you jason um do you have any other questions or things you'd like to add or advice the only other thing that i'd really like to add is make your mindful meals simple and easy to do the one thing that uh, i did in the mornings that really was a big changer I know a lot of people that probably listen to your show are uh, coffee nerds. I was. I'm a huge coffee nerd. I love beautiful, delicious coffee. But what I did in the mornings was I bought a, a jar of Folgers instant coffee. So my first cup in the morning is instant coffee. If I want to have a really nice cup of coffee later, and then I can pull up my AeroPress, I can grind, I got my burr grinder, I get everything done, then I can enjoy that separately. But in the morning when I really just need to get going and it's, you know, I need a caffeine infusion vehicle. I'm like, okay, Folgers, little splash of half and half and a sweet and low done. (laughs) And then I have my caffeine and I don't have to worry about sitting there grinding and pouring and all that stuff. Make it easy for your habits to take hold, which is one of the things that is so fantastic about the book. And, you know, I'm just kind of embracing that and making it easy to make these habits stick. Wow. 
my mouth is like hanging open at your Folgers. <laughs> it's it's so choppy, trust me, it's disgusting, but you get used to it. You can get used to anything. People people drink that <laughs> crap every day and they love it. You know. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, but I but I love your point about uh, making it easy because that is true. Like if and, and people discount that as if it's if it's not hard, it doesn't count somehow. But that's the exact wrong approach. The uh, right approach. Totally is opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Totally the opposite. Yeah. Like do it the smallest possible thing you can do to make it easy. And then because you can always do more. And one day you may feel like doing more. But you want to stop is the momentum of not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. Did you, um, speaking of coffee, I just, you just reminded me of something. Did I, I don't know if I told you about the first time I had a mindful cup of coffee. Like I decided to have coffee without food, which I normally, I normally have coffee and and food at the same time. So I sit down and I'm like, cause somebody had brought up mindful drinking. I was like, that's interesting. I don't, I think I drink mindlessly. (laughs) And so I sit down with my, you know, I drink to be mindless. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm like, like you, it's like, I need a coffee infusion in the morning. When I was thinking about mindful eating, I was thinking about food mm-hmm. and, and I drink a lot of water during the day. So that's not really an issue. I do. I drink wine at night and I, I don't think I drink that mindfully either. And I've been doing that lately too. But the first experience that I had with mindful drinking, I sat down with my like beautiful single origin blue bottle pour over coffee that I, you know, freshly ground. It was amazing. And I start like drinking this coffee and I was like, Oh my God, gosh, this is amazing. And then I'm like slowly, I'm like sitting there, I'm like looking out over the city and I get like just a little over halfway through my cup of coffee and I'm full. There you go. And, I, and I'm like, I haven't had breakfast. It's liquid. It's, it's not even thick liquid. It's just calorie free coffee. And I just look at Kevin and I'm like, this is the best, one of the best cups of coffee I've ever had in my life. I don't know if I can finish it. <laughs> Who am I right now? <laughs> All right. It's a, it's, give it a try next time you do your uh, AeroPress. I will definitely do that. And and by the way, that backs up what I was saying about eating my eating my eggs and figuring out that I was already full when I didn't need that many eggs. When you do it slowly and mindfully, you, you just, you, you feel like, oh, well, I, that well, that's good enough. I'm done. Yeah. I can walk away now and be happy. <laughs> I did finish my coffee, by the way. <laughs> well, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> you don't want to, like, you don't want to, you don't want to waste some blue bottle pour over there. <laughs> but I had to like, I, I had to like, literally like, I'm going to stop drinking it mindfully and just finish it because I just, I don't know if I can just do this anymore. It was crazy. This was a really <laughs> like bizarre experience for me. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think uh, I'm really happy to hear it. It's really cool. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to editing this soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. 
Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for like super, super stellar. You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step recipes with every box. If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.